630 Chad presents The Elks This Week. A close-up look at the Elks and the Canadian Football League. Every week, we take you inside the game. From the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 630 Chad. Here's Morley Scott. Hey, hello, football fans, and welcome to the show for this week. The Elks this week, this time around, all about free agency. It's been a hot topic all week long. Man, what a great couple of weeks it's been in the Canadian Football League. So much going on, so much to talk about. Later on in the show, we're going to hear about free agency from the player and player agent side. But first, the news of the week for the Elks, and it's pretty big news. Just a couple of days after he was released by the Toronto Argonauts, the Elks signed kicker Boris Beatty to a two-year contract. I'm excited. I think it's a big challenge. And uh, the people that are already there that I know are the good people to be able to put something special together. I'm excited to meet my new teammates, but I do know that the, the teammates that I've had before are good people. I know that the coaching staff, because it's not just Coach Jones, but there's a couple of coaches on that coaching staff that were on that coaching staff in 21 that I do know also that are good people and that are, are winners and I do want to win. So I'm extremely excited about the opportunity because they're putting the people, right people to be able to just go in and again, bring the city back to the stadium. Beatty's coming off one of his best seasons in eight years, 95% on field goals. He missed just two last year. He also had a 47-yard punt average and a 71-yard average on kickoffs. So after a pretty good year, it might be a bit of a surprise that he was released. Well, maybe to you and me, but he says he saw it coming. I could kind of feel it as soon as the season ended. You know how like negotiation negotiation works. Uh, they're gonna offer you a certain amount, and then you're like, "Well, this is my best season in career, and I don't think that this is the right number." Unfortunately, then it goes radio silence, and then you see that when you understand the business, you see that there's too much money out, and the money's not coming in, and the cap's not going up, and you're like, okay, well, I'm gonna be stuck in one of those where the team is going radio silence, and they might not be interested, so, okay, let's, let's be ready. This was the first time me hitting a uh, free agency ever in my eight-year career. I've never hit free agency. I've always had a contract before, so I was like, okay. I talked with my agent. My agent's like, boys, you've had a great season. Do not worry, we're gonna find you a team, and we're gonna find you the right fit. Uh, Edmonton came up, I think, in the first place, and literally we 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 talked. Everything went well. We negotiated. Everything went well. And I was like, you know what? I've never been out west. This is another challenge to do, and uh, let's let's jump on it. And let's get let's let's get right with it. Beatty currently spending the offseason in France. I had a long talk with him earlier this week. Lots more from Boris Beatty on next week's show. Uh, the other bit of news free agency-wise for the Elks was agreeing to a deal with the CFL Special Teams Player of the Year, returner Jovan Leek. Uh, this deal is not official until Tuesday when free agency opens up, but Leek has agreed to terms with the Elks on a one-year deal. He led the CFL in kick returns uh, yards last year and had four punt returns for touchdowns. Two very big ads for the Elks on special teams. You heard Beattie mention his agent. Well, that agent is Rob Fry, a former Edmontonian now based out of Ottawa with Gil Scott Sports. The free agent negotiation window opened up last Sunday and closes tomorrow. And Fry says it was a busy week, especially early on. Yeah, it, it's been uh, it's been steady. There's been a lot of communicating with uh the different general managers across the league, assistant general managers, sometimes coaches, coaches, whether it be coordinators or head coaches. Um, 
and, and really information gathering right off the bat. It, it's a lot of info, info gathering and getting clients up to speed on what, what the, the picture really looks like. Um, in advance of the tampering window, you have an idea of what the picture could look like um, based on patterns, based on looking at rosters, um, looking at teams' needs. Um, but what, once you get into the, the negotiation window, things can become more clear. And then it's just sort of uh, navigating player expectations, making sure players are understanding yeah, the, the clear picture and, and living in what's reality so that they can make a good decision that's sound for their football career and their families. And, and then just uh, eventually, as it comes, getting into contract negotiations um, and uh, choosing the right team for the player. The window opened up to, uh, at noon Eastern time on Sunday. What was it like the first couple of minutes? I envision teams phoning agents of the top free agents right away and trying to be the first one in to make conversations. Uh, who initiates most of the calls? Uh, or is it, uh, you know, some of each, uh, the agents calling and, and the teams are calling? I think it's a little bit of a balance, but but very early in the stage would be the teams first. Um it's not what one would expect from the outside that it would just be this massive, uh, quick free for all. Um, it has been like that in the past before this tampering window has been instituted. Um, in the prior days, it, I think things moved a lot quicker. There was a lot more urgency for teams to make decisions quickly on players and agents to act quickly as well. This has drawn out the process more. Um, it sort of does have a component of just this being free agency. Um, but it is a slower process. Teams come out of the gates right away and um, identify top players they want to go after. And then that ties up their money. Um, you know, as we go into the negotiation window, most, most teams are close to their maximum cap spending already. Um, not all of them, especially teams that are, you know, maybe were lower in the standings and are looking to, to have more turnover in their roster. Um, but it's a slower process because you can only tie up so many dollars and wait for a decision from the player and his agent. So, you know, I would say right off the start, I, I bet you it was somewhere between five to 10 players that had significant interest on day one and deals don't get done right away. Most often the player and the agent take time to navigate the, the waters and, and it takes time. So that, that holds up teams in terms of money allocated um, and, and pushes you know, the next crop of players and priority off for a little while. So, so I would say there, there's a lot of really good football players that have been starters in the league that you know, haven't been offered contracts uh, by day two or day three. And that doesn't mean they won't get good contracts. It's just uh, sort of a pecking order and working through their, their cap and offers that are out. And we did see a few guys early in the week, Monday and Tuesday, um, rumors started and reports came out that some players and teams yeah. had agreed already. So I guess there is a little bit of jockeying to get there first, but you still have that whole week to negotiate. For sure. Um, case by case, I, I think that there can can come a time where it makes sense for both parties to just let's let's agree on this. We're good. Player feels confident that, um, he's exhausted the opportunities and, and is very comfortable with the number and the team. It's beneficial for the team to to commit in advance as well because then they, they know that money is accounted for. We're good at that position. We can keep moving and not have money tied up and, and be sort of uh, held in limbo. So it, it can be a good thing for both parties to commit early. Yeah. 
All right, you talked about the start of it and how there's a few phone calls. What about the end of it as we get close to when the negotiation window closes? Is there a scramble to make one last pitch or to get a little extra money or something else from, from other teams? Is that is that last couple, three hours before you have to shut it down? Is that is that pretty busy? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, it will be a different pace um, for players who haven't committed. Um, it's just sort of, again, case by case. If, if a player hasn't received the interest that maybe they, they had been hoping for, um, then it's, it's, it's getting creative, approaching teams where maybe there is a fit and we can kind of work towards a value deal that can be win-win for the team and the player. Um, you're always sort of look, talk, staying engaged with the GMs and understanding their needs, understanding their cap situation and, and where they want to allocate money and always trying to put players in the best position you can, uh, no matter where you are in the tampering window. But it, it changes. It has ebbs and flows of urgency versus non-urgency. So just staying engaged on it on the day-to-day. I think it's been five or six years since uh, the negotiation window opened up and, and that became a part of, of free agency. Has it helped from your standpoint? Um, that's a good question. Um, I've tossed and turned on it. it it's... Uh, I can't think of actually right now off the top of my head the year it started, but it's only been a couple of years actually. Um, there's uh, there's pros and cons from from the player side, um, and 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 as an agent, um, I do feel like the prior process um, could speed things up with just the certain levels of uncertainty. Um, from a team side, they may be more in, inclined to speed up a process and commit financially to players a little bit sooner, maybe willing to pay a little bit more just for the peace of mind, knowing I'm getting that player and not uh, running into the risk of not getting a guy at that particular you know position of need. Whereas now I, I find that it's a little bit longer process. It's a little bit more uh, transparent of a process from the team side, which allows them to be a little bit more patient. Um, so, so I think, it's um, beneficial for both parties that the communication can be well streamlined and above board. But I do find that perhaps the players get a, have a little bit less leverage in a sense that it's a longer process and there's less um, jockeying with uncertainty. Um, so I find if a player did have leverage, they may have more leverage in the prior way of doing things because of the uncertainty from a team standpoint and, and maybe a bit of an urgency to make a decision quick. More with CFL player agent Rob Fry when we come back on the Elks this week on 630 Chet. Now, more football talk on the Elks this week. Here's Morley Scott on the voice of the Edmonton Elks, 630 Chad. Hey, back to my conversation now with uh, player agent Rob Fry, who during free agency especially gets to talk with all the GMs and assistant GMs around the league on negotiating contracts. And he says they're all very different to deal with. I enjoy the different personalities and the different negotiating styles. Um, you know, that's, that's like life, like doing business with different personalities and guys that see things differently. Um, you get to know them over the years and you become more comfortable with their style. Um, and their philosophies is a big part of just how they operate. Some, some GMs have philosophies where they um, are all about paying at a certain position, whereas another GM might see it another way and, and doesn't believe that that's the way to, to build a team, paying at that position. So that there's mixed philosophies, personalities. Um, I just love what, what 
how uh, every day is a little bit different. All the situations are different. Um, there's nobody that I, I don't enjoy collaborating with. It's just different for each, each person. But, uh, that's my job is to be able to relate well to, to different personalities and, um, you know, at the end of the day, make it all about the, the player, um, achieving uh, his goals and, and, and getting them in the best situation. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I... You could correct me if I'm wrong on this or not even comment on it if you want to. From an Edmonton perspective, I picture Chris Jones and G. Roy Simon working together. They make the decision they want to go after this guy. Chris Jones may make a phone call, but I'm guessing most of the work, if you're talking to the Elks, you're talking to G. Roy Simon to get the nuts and bolts of it done? Yeah, you nailed it. That, that's exactly how, how it usually goes. Chris and, uh, and G. Roy uh, I'm sure they spend a lot of time on the phone, um, on the day to day, and they're always on the same page. And, uh, yeah, oftentimes I'll, I'll talk to Chris first about a player. And then, you know, Chris might, might say, yes, we're, we're a go on this. Uh, G Roy will reach out to you and we'll, G Roy will, uh, f- predominantly negotiate almost every contract, I believe, on that team. So he does a great job, very professional and, um, yeah, enjoy, enjoy dealing with that team. Question for you now. You got a player who's a, who's a pending free agent. Uh, you're before the negotiation window opens up. Is it easier or more difficult to get an extension or to sign with another team as a as a free agent? Which process is is more difficult? Well, it depends on um, the player's nationality. Depends on the player's age. There's so many variables that come into play on every every situation. Um, depends on what, where that team is at in terms of how they've built their roster, how much depth do they have behind that player. Um, you know, I can think of just so many variables that come into play. It's hard to say one or the other. Um, it, it really is a case-by-case case in all these situations. It's hard to um, paint them all with the same brush. But you have to go off feel. You have to be very calculated if you're going to make a decision to go to the window uh, because that comes with risk potentially of, of your current team moving on. So it, it's sort of a dance together with the player, the general manager, the coach or the, the agent and the coaching staff. And um, yeah, it, it really uh, requires um, preparation and an understanding of the market before you just make a decision on a whim. I'm going to go to the market. Well, you better be prepared to go to the market and have a good real expectation of what it could look like player agent uh, in the cfl and the nfl uh, rob fry appreciate your time i'm wasting valuable commission time for you at this time of year i know you got to get uh, phone calls to make i appreciate you taking some time out to talk to us on the elks this week no it's my pleasure thanks for having me on and we'll, we'll definitely stay in touch Thanks to Rob Fry for taking us a little bit behind the curtain as far as CFL free agency goes. By the way, if you want to hear more from Rob Fry, a CFL player agent, head to 630ched.com. The entire interview I had with him this week is up there for you to listen to. Hey, Dave Campbell joins us now. How are you doing, Dave? Oh, hey, friend. How's it going? Uh, I'm good, thank you. I I want to talk to you about what's happened so far and what you think might happen moving forward. First off, Boris Beattie and uh, Javon Leak, uh, two pretty big ads for the special teams of the Edmonton Elks. Uh, huge. I mean, Boris Beattie has been around for a while, and, I mean, what a year he had last year. You know, 94.9% per, uh, success rate on field goals, tops in the league. I think the more important stat to me is uh, 71.2-yard average on kickoffs. So they need to help their special teams by getting the, 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 uh, the, the good field position for their defense. You know, Beattie... He's you know somewhere in the 80s as far as field goal percentage for his career. That's pretty good. 83% to be precise. 83%. I'm glad you did the math, Morley. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Thank but you. you know, and 
I know people love the story of Dean Faithful and, and love the person. I know you and I do, but it's about winning. And uh, Boris Beattie makes him better. Javon Leak makes him a lot better and dangerous. He is something the Elks haven't had in a long time. And we go back, they get their first kick return touchdown at the end of last season for the first time in like eight years. Uh, Leak had four last year. Yeah, it's crazy. So do the math on that. He's a big ad. And almost 15 yards per return, which mm-hmm. is huge. So now the pressure's on. you got to put a scheme in front of him that uh, is going to be suiting uh, suiting him, but also give him the confidence that he can just keep doing what he's doing. But when you have a returner back there that you know can get it done, I think that brings a lot of confidence to the return units. Still more to come from the Elks as we move through free agency, not just till Tuesday when it opens up, but past that there'll be some guys signed as well. In your mind, what is uh, where they have to target? What do they need most? Well, I think it's on the D-line. And I'm a little curious to see how the Elks address the D-line once free agency opens. Um, They've spent a lot of money already. That's the thing. And they only have five pending free agents left. And they're going to come free. So... AC Leonard's going to free up money. I, I'm wondering if that money's been spent already with, with Javon Leak. I don't know. Uh, Manny Arsenal's going to come free. I think Josiah St. John came in at a good number for himself last year. Uh, I wouldn't anticipate he'll be back. But how much money is available to go out and get what you need on that D-line? I still think they need a little help there. As far as a run stopper is concerned, someone that can get to the quarterback as well. Um, you know, Looking for a, a veteran type or two. Uh, but it's, you know, it's money. And they have spent a lot of money, has Chris Jones and G. Roy Simon already, on other areas of the football team that have been good additions. But I wonder how much money is left other than getting first-year players that they've, they've got a lot of DBs, they've got a lot of D-linemen that they've signed. But is there anything left money-wise for a veteran? And if the right guy is there and the price is maybe a little too steep, it's a CFL. You can free up money by making another move, right? Sure. That is in the playbook as well if they need it. But, yeah, D-line, and it looks like they're happy with the O-line they had last year. Uh, I know... They weren't great. but makes some people nervous. But, but <laughs> they all, obviously, I think a couple of guys had off years, and they'll be better this year. But um, they're they got to be better this year because of the move, especially at quarterback. Oh, for sure. And, you know, let, let, let's face the, the facts here. They did get better. You know, they had a six-game run where they were really good. Then they kind of plateaued. Like, the, the whole offense plateaued. And they just got to be more consistent and, and play better. But, again, you know, I've said this before. McLeod Bethel-Thompson... Well, should make that O-line better because he knows where to go with the football more often than not. And he does it quickly. And he does it quickly. They won't have to hold as long, I don't think, no. uh, this coming season no. for sure. Uh, all right, one last comment from you, Dave. I, the, the negotiation window has, has put the CFL in the news for a week. I, I'm kind of I'm, I'm torn whether I like it or not because it, obviously it's going to eliminate uh, uh, tampering issues uh, because it is, quote-unquote, the legal tampering period. Sure. Uh, but it's kind of taken the fun out of Tuesday. I mean, all the a lot of the there's still a couple big guys out there I know but most of the information is already kind of leaked out who's agreed to 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 play for what teams next year and to me it's going to take kind of the fun out of free agency day I like the window and we see it in other sports leagues in North America and you know they have negotiation windows you know and that's fine and you see and you see okay player will be signed later when free agency opens here's my suggestion morally later in the week it got slower Mm-hmm. You know, Tuesday through, uh, or sorry, Sunday to Tuesday, maybe to Wednesday, yeah. it was busy. So make it 72 hours. 
make it shorter, and I think you'll get more bang for your buck. And free agency would have more intrigue to it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, free agency is on Tuesday. Uh, stick with us here on 630, Ched, uh, for the information as it breaks uh, throughout the week. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, don't forget, uh, next week on the show, we'll uh, check in with Boris Beattie and have the complete interview I had with him uh, this week. Well, he was in France getting set uh, to join his new team in Edmonton in May. That's next week on the Elks This Week. Uh, for this week, well, that's it. I'm Morley Scott. Let's talk more football in seven days' time on the Elks This Week on 630 Chet.